seats, everyone. Grab your seats. Grab your seats. I want to continue with our What a Character series. Um, haven't done it for a few weeks, and uh, I think I've got a great message for us tonight. What a character. I mean, it's a saying in our society, you know, when someone stands out for some reason or, you know, they might be a bit flamboyant or they might, you know, be a risk taker or they might be, you know, just a bit crazy. And we say, what a character. Um, or they might be just funny. But the, the fact is, it's always said in a positive way. Have you noticed that? It's like when you say someone's a bit of a character, it's always positive. So we've been looking at Bible characters and, um, and tonight I'm going to move. We've been in the Old Testament for three, three weeks. We've looked at three characters. I want to look in the New Testament and uh, I guarantee tonight is going to encourage you. Yes. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where uh, you've said something and, or you've done something and you just wish you could hit rewind? Come on, where you said something and it's like, who's ever wanted to bite the words out of the air? You know, it's like, I wish I could get them back. Or, or just hit replay and just, and then do it all again and try and get it right. So if you felt that way, I think we all have. At some point, all of us have led with our mouth. Uh, or we've just done something silly. Uh, this will encourage you tonight. I want to look at the Apostle Peter. What a character. Peter, what a character. And what I want to do, I'm going to have a look at an incredible moment in Peter's life. Actually, James shared it around communion where Peter uh, gets something from God. He gets a revelation and Jesus affirms that revelation. And then I'm going to look at, uh, I'm just going to cherry pick uh, moments in Peter's life that show you that he's not he wasn't always the together person we tend to think Bible characters are. Uh, you know, Peter, for the Catholic Church, if you've got a Catholic background, was the first pope. And he certainly was the, the initial leader of the early church by Acts chapter 17. The leadership appears to have changed hands. But, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not into popes myself, but that's okay if you are. Um, but you see leaders like that and you tend to think that they were flawless in some way or that they were superhuman or they had some massive gift or something that made them stand out. And then when you read the Bible, you realise it's a book full of stories of really ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And the beauty is, is God is willing to work with that which is less than perfect. Does, is that good news to anyone here? Because I am hoping that we would like to think God could use us. I mean, what's the option of living a life that actually, you know, makes an impact, makes a dent in the universe, is just to suck air and die. So who would rather have a life that makes a bit of a dent in things, Okay. Uh, so this is good news. If you've ever thought, I'd really like God to use me, but I just don't see how. I don't know how he could use someone quite like me. Peter, what a character. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 17 through 18. I'm going to be reading most of my scripture tonight from the easy version. Jesus said to Simon Peter, notice that name, Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, God has really helped you. No person on earth taught you that. Now, Peter had just confessed what James shared, had just confessed that Jesus was the Christ, was the Messiah. 
And Jesus here is saying, no one on earth taught you that. God, my Father in heaven, has shown you this. And I tell you this, you are called Peter, which means a rock, and I will build my church on this rock. Not even the power of death will destroy my church. And what Jesus has here, there's a bit of a play on words because he says, calls him Simon, son of Jonah calls him by his actual name, and then he, like, renames him, which happens a lot in the Bible. It's like, you know, this might be your past, but God's going to call you into your future, and he often gives you a new name when he does that. And this is what Jesus is doing with Peter, because Simon, uh, it can mean to hear, but colloquially it, it it meant basically a reed, as in a hollow reed that grew by the riverbank. And if you've ever seen a drawing of that or whatever, or you've ever seen uh, David Attenborough, a hippo comes out of the weeds, out of the reeds, and they just sway, and they sway in the wind. And that was like, that's what Simon's name meant. You're actually a reed, in other words, something that was probably unstable, blew in the, re- in the breeze, and you would never build anything solid on it or with it. And then he says, but... You're going to be called Peter or Petros in the original language of the scripture, which literally means a stone or a rock. So you're going to go from being a reed that sways to something that can be built upon. And Jesus says that and then says, I'm going to build my church on people like you. And often we just think on people who are rocks. Maybe it's people who have a transition from being something that is not that stable, might actually be a little bit intrinsically weak, but actually there's going to be a transition happen in your life and you're going to go from a place where you sway in the breeze to a place where God can actually build on you. So I want to have a look at Peter, the reed by name, reed by nature. Let's have a look at his journey. Okay, number one, I'm going to run through this. You ready? He's impulsive. How do we know he's a reed or what are some indicators? He lived out his name. Matthew chapter 14, verse 28. When Peter saw Jesus walking on water, he said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Okay. They're on Lake Gennesaret, 53 kilometers wide, in the middle of a storm, in a perfectly good boat. And Peter says... Let me get out of the boat. Who jumps in a lake in a storm who's not impulsive? But I tell you, I love this about Peter. What a character, because I would rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat talker. This guy actually got out and had a go at life and determined, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down in the Bible. There's going to be a story written about me. I'm not sure he was thinking that way, but he lived his life out loud. He was impulsive. And the matter of fact, as much as it reveals the read nature, a little bit of being impulsive, a little bit of spark is not a bad thing. Peter, what a character. He's confident and overconfident. At the same time, I love this story. Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 through 16 says, When Jesus asked his disciples, but who do you say that I am? Peter immediately and emphatically stated, so I'm returning back to where we were, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And the fact is Jesus was clearly impressed because he said what we just read before. 
Peter, Peter, this is a revelation. You got this straight from heaven. This isn't just something that someone told you. This isn't something you've learnt, but you got revelation. And so, you know, Peter is elevated in this sense. Jesus is obviously impressed. But in verse 22, I mean, literally minutes later in the story, it says Jesus began to teach them about everything he'd have to suffer and go through and he'd have to lay down his life. And Peter has gone from identifying Jesus as you are Messiah, you're the promised one. And, uh, and Peter decides to take Jesus aside in verse 22. And the scripture says he took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Now, that Greek word, original language word, literally can mean to take by the shoulders. I'd do it, but it's a COVID unsafe practice. But to take by the shoulders and shake. So here's Peter, the great prophet. He's got this insight from God and he's about to take God aside and shake him by the shoulders and tell him that he's got it all wrong. I love Peter. And then, of course, the next verse is Jesus responding to that very famously. Verse 23, then Peter, uh, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an, an offence to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. That is like the shortest 15 seconds of fame anyone has ever had. So Peter, one moment is a prophet, the next moment he's the devil. This is Peter swaying in the breeze. Can you see it? He's living out his name in colour. But think about it. Have you ever been totally brilliant at the beginning of the day by the end of the day you're an absolute disaster yeah. you know Peter did it in 15 seconds but the fact is there would be some of us that would be the same yeah. and I love it because you look at the you look at this whole colorful story of Peter and you see yourself in it you know that's how we're meant to read the bible it's not meant to be read, read like a history story, meant to read it and see ourselves in the story. And sometimes we're the hero, sometimes we're the villain, but we will be in there somewhere. Yeah. And uh, I love reading about Peter because I see myself everywhere and it encourages me. He's presumptuous. On the Mount of Transfiguration, what's known as this experience where there was this amazing supernatural experience and people who are long dead appeared to Jesus, and it's very, it's very Jewish. This passage, as is all the Book of Matthew, and so to understand a little bit of the Jewish roots of it helps. But Matthew chapter seventeen, verse three and four, Jesus takes his three key guys, Peter, James, and John, up the mountain with him, and then it says, "And then Moses, behold, Moses and Elijah." So Moses, the law of Israel. Elijah, the prophets of Israel. So the law and the prophets that actually gave witness to Jesus. Everywhere you read in the scripture, those old verses of scripture, they all speak about the coming Messiah. And so here we have a, like a physical manifestation of it. They appear to them talking with him, talking with Jesus. So I want you to note who's doing the talking and who's not meant to be doing the talking in this passage, okay? And it says they're talking with him, talking with Jesus, 
Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here if you wish. Let us make here three tabernacles or three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And the question is this, Peter answered, but I can't see anyone asking a question. So you have the law and the prophets and the son of God talking, having a conversation. And Peter's trying to get the accommodation arrangements sorted and stay in the moment, which we often do. If you're a passionate Christian, often you try and live in the mountain, you try and live in the moment of transfiguration, but you'll see this in the life of your master. He goes back down into the valley where there are demons. But Peter's determined to camp on the mountain and he's talking. And verse 5, while he was still speaking, this is Peter now, While Peter is still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. In other words, just think about this. Peter's still talking. I'm sure that that Moses and Elijah and Jesus are like, And this cloud, and it's like Peter's still talking and this cloud is rolling up over them and then a voice comes out of the cloud while he's still speaking and says, Peter, shut up. (laughs) You're in the presence of the Son of God. Why on earth are you the only one talking at the moment? But we've all been a bit like that. We all lead with our mouth at times. He was violent. John chapter 18, verse 10. And it says John uses this language, and again, it's a play on words. Simon Peter, which is the gospel writers call Peter because they're writing retrospectively after the fact. Simon Peter, in other words, the reed rock. Okay, the reed on his way to becoming a rock had a sword. This is Jesus' arrest in the garden. And he took hold of it and he attacked the servant of the leader of the priests and he cut off the servant's right ear. Yowchie. The servant's name was Malchus. That's where the passage finishes, that that part of it. It's really interesting because, you know, people people that don't go on to make an impact or, or matter somewhere in the narrative rarely make it into the scripture by name. You know, this is the kind of passage that normally you would just see the, the gospel writers say, the servant of the high priest. But he sticks a name on him and I can't help but wonder whether it's just out of, in some way, trying to appease the poor guy. It's a little bit of a peace offering. I tell you what, mate, you did it tough, but you made it in the scripture. We named you by name. And of course, Jesus, this must have been Jesus, the Prince of Peace, who has been explaining to them now for months, I must go, I must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and they're going to kill me. They're going to do what they want with me. Jesus has been teaching this and he's the Prince of Peace. And his right-hand man draws a sword and cuts the ear off this poor guy who's probably only hanging on to the fruit bowl for the high priest. It must have been, honestly, Jesus' number one, what the moment. What, what are you thinking, Peter? 
but thank picks his ear up glues it back on and Peter was fearful all four gospels tell Peter's shameful denial of Jesus Matthew chapter 25 verse 74 he then he began to curse and swear saying I do not know the man and immediately a rooster crowed we sort of know the story I'm figuring but he denies him three times and this third time he literally swears to do it he reverts back to Peter the swearing fisherman that Jesus called out of that old life to follow him and all of a sudden Peter's right back there you know have you ever found yourself in a point where it's not only hard to be faithful to Jesus but it's really really hard to not slip back into old habits and old patterns and doing the old things that you really thought you'd left behind come on there is a bit of Peter in every one of us and this is what encourages us if God could take Peter from being a reed to eventually being a rock in spite of all his foibles in spite of all these character flaws we could say then he can do it for you and I think that's why we have characters like this in the Bible one more thing I just want to look at as I close about Peter Peter is restorable this is what I love about Peter more than anything else all the other stuff it's fun to have fun with Peter you know and I'm sure he'll forgive me when we you know we all meet face to face but I love the fact that he's restorable because he fell a long way you know, the, the guy who was asked into the room with only two others to see the dead girl raised. The guy that was asked to go up the mountain with only two others to see Jesus transfigured. And then he puts his foot in a big time. And now he's denied Jesus three times. But in John chapter 20, Jesus meets him on the shore of the lake. Jesus has cooked a meal for them, prepared for them. This is after his resurrection. And when they'd finished eating, Jesus spoke to Simon Peter, the reed rock. And he said, Simon, back to reed, son of John, do you love me more than these other disciples? And Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. And he did that three times. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep third time Peter do you love me feed my and, and and what he says is Lord you know you know I love you I mean in other words I, I don't know what more I can say but if you think about it for three denials there's three opportunities for Jesus to affirm his calling Peter I want you to feed my sheep you are still the leader of I called you to be in spite of denying me in spite of your failure in spite of your impetuous nature and your impulsiveness and your over super confidence and you putting your foot in your mouth in spite of all that I still have a purpose for you that original purpose is still there for you and Peter uh, obviously goes on to be, be the foundational leader of the early church just like Jesus said he would Despite all of his issues and his idiosyncrasies, Jesus had a place for him. And what I love about it, because Peter went on to fulfill that call on the day of Pentecost, he goes from denying Christ to standing up and preaching to an angry crowd and 3,000 people are converted to Christ. So Peter had finally transitioned 
from reed to a bit more like a rock. And I want to say to you, you're no different. If you're willing to admit your shortcomings, he's happy to work with you. The only thing God doesn't work with is pride. God works with failure all the time. And we think he doesn't work with failure. So we do our best to perform. And actually, if you've ever thought about it, whenever you're doing really well, you're probably just really arrogant and proud about how well you're doing anyway. And it's actually pride that precludes you. But when you can humble yourself and say, Lord, I haven't got it all together, but what I've got, I'm willing to give to you. Jesus can use that. So it's, it's here for you. So I, I want to ask you three questions. Have you ever felt disqualified by your own foolishness? Because I know a lot of us have, if we keep track of our foolishness. And yet it doesn't disqualify. It might disqualify you in the eyes of people around you, but it doesn't disqualify you in God's eyes. Have you ever felt disqualified because of failure or unloved because of failure? Have you ever felt like your failures have separated you from the love of God? And what I want to say is Peter's colossal public failures did not separate him from the love of God that was in Christ Jesus. Jesus' plan, Jesus' purpose, Jesus' desire to use his life to make a dent in the universe had not changed a bit. So where do you stand with that? And are you going to let failure separate you from what God wants you to do in your life? The question is, are you open to restoration? Are you open to forgiveness if that's what you need? Are you open to change if you recognize yet yeah, there's a bit of read in me? Are you open to letting Jesus take you on a journey where that, that read nature becomes a rock nature? becomes something that God can build with. Are you ready for a new day? Because God's plan hasn't changed for any one of us. Can you see a bit of Peter in you? Can you see a bit of yourself in Peter? Can we stand together? Because I'd like to I'd like to finish tonight just praying for us. I've run over a little bit, but that's okay. That's cool. Let's just close our eyes. Just If you're comfortable with that, just close your eyes. And I just want you to think about, you know, what, what your journey looks like at the moment, maybe what your recent journey looks like. You know, you could be standing right here thinking, man, a little while ago I was doing so much better than what I'm doing now. It could be the opposite. You might be thinking, man, I'm glad I'm in a good place and I'm glad I kept going. Because a little while ago, I thought I was like down for the count, but now I can see the light of day again. That's a great place to be. No matter where you're at, God's plan hasn't changed. God's purpose for your life hasn't changed. And so, uh, honestly, just reach out to him if you feel you need to tonight as I pray. Father, I pray for people that, uh, that need to get over the embarrassment, maybe the shame, uh, of foolishness, of failure, uh, of feeling disqualified somehow, feeling like maybe God's position towards them has changed. Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit, just visit people in this place right now that need to know you still love them, 
that there's forgiveness there, there's restoration there, that your plan and your purpose has not changed. And I just thank you for meeting them right where they're at, right where they're at, in Jesus' name. You know, if if maybe you've done things that you think have disqualified you, um, you know, some things, it might not disqualify us in the eyes of God, but it can in the eyes of man. Sometimes we dig a big hole for ourselves and it takes a bit of digging ourselves out. But I really want to encourage you to do that. Set your heart to that tonight. No matter where I find myself, I'm heading back to the surface. I'm heading back for God. Just while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, you could be here and maybe you haven't got what we'd call a journey with God. Maybe you've never really included God in your story, Jesus in your journey. Um, But I want to give you the opportunity to do that tonight. You might have actually felt a bit disqualified from being someone who would go to church and have a relationship with God on some level. And I just want to tell you, I hope tonight has helped you see that that's just not the way God thinks about you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, he's reaching out to you right now. If you want to reach back out to him, just in the closing moments while our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, why don't you just lift a hand to heaven Say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Just respond to him, just in the simplest of ways. Just right where you stand. Right where you stand. I want to pray for you. Come on, if that's you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Is there anyone else? You just really want to reach out? Yep, that's awesome. That's great. Thank you, Father, for again meeting people in their heart of hearts, making yourself so wonderfully real causing your grace to flow over them, your love to surround them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And uh, James is going to come and let you know how you can follow through if you've made a decision to include Jesus in your journey tonight, maybe for the first time or the first time in a while. James is going to let you know what to do next. Thanks, James. Let's thank Pastor Chris. What an incredible word.